We're going to be reading a passage today in 1 Samuel 31, in verse 11. And when the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead heard of that which the Philistines had done to Saul, and all the valiant men arose and went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan, and came to Jabesh and burnt them there. And they took their bones and buried them under a tree at Jabesh and fasted seven days. This interesting story of the men of Jabesh Gilead and their connection to King Saul, it's interesting because they live clear on the east eastern border of Israel and Saul, his body, when he was killed, was fastened to the wall in Bethshan, which would be completely over on the western side of Israel in the southwestern, uh, on the seacoast where the Philistines lived. And so the history is, when Saul was the first anointed king, the wicked king Nahash of the Ammonites came to the men of Jabesh-Gilead and said, we're going to make slaves out of you and we will take everything you have unless you enter into a covenant with us. And the covenant is, you come out and we're going to bore out or pluck out all of your right eyes, every man in the uh, city. And this would destroy their life, basically, and ruin their identity. Well, they besought help, and Saul came all night long, it says. He, he traveled with his army, and this was his first major engagement in battle and went against the wicked Ammonites and destroyed the Ammonites and saved these men of Jabesh-Gilead and saved their identities and their dignity, basically. And they never forgot it. They never forgot it. So almost 40 years later, Saul dies in battle on Mount Gilboa at the hands of the Philistines and suffers a cruel death and a horrible death. And the Philistines take the the bodies of him and his sons. He cuts his head off, takes the bodies, and nails them to a wall on one of their temples uh, to one of their gods. And the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead, here's the news. So when the rest of Israel is running for their lives because the Philistines are still attacking, the men of Jabesh-Gilead do something very interesting. They travel all night long. And they travel swiftly, and they show up and do the unthinkable. They go into the Philistines' city and find these bodies on the wall at night and take them down and work their way all the way back home. And they bury them and give them a a burial. Now, this is interesting because why would they do such a thing? They, They hazarded their lives. They risked their lives. They did the unthinkable, and God blessed it. But, but why would they do such a thing? It's because of loyalty. It's because they knew we would not be who we are today had Saul not done what he did for us and ventured his life and came and saved us. He saved them from a horrible uh, fate. Of They would be known as the men with only one eye, and the weak eye at that, the left eye, And those that succumbed 
to a heathen nation and, and gave in to the enemy. They would be known as the complete total failures of Israel. Everybody that saw them would know exactly who they were. Their, their identity would be changed forever. The enemy got the best of them. Well, Saul saved him from that. And though Saul had a horrible ending, the men of Jabesh-Gilead never forgot what he did for them. And they ventured their lives, as I've said, and their loyalty to him never died. And even after death, after he was gone, they still never forgot what he did for them. And so we need to learn from this story, loyalty, uh, and loyalty that doesn't die, especially when someone does what Saul did. You know, God used somebody in all of our lives to make us what we are. And some people were headed to a certain fate to where they would literally lose their identity like losing your right eye, losing all dignity, losing all hope of a good future. And God sent in a man to save and deliver them or a woman to help them or a group of people came in and delivered them from the enemy and was used in such a mighty, mighty way to save them. And I've, I've known people over time in, in my life that this happened for them, and they had a very short memory, and they forgot where they came from, and they forgot who got them where they were. And as we call it, they got too full of self and uh, too big for their britches, and they just they forgot. And they started holding the one that helped them in disdain. I know some people who have actually turned upon the one who led them to Christ, how preposterous is this? Where would you be without them? Talk about not one eye. You'd be completely blinded with scales on your eyes and on your way to hell. And God sent them in to help you. And this doesn't have to do just with salvation. This has to do with your very life and your dignity. And, you know, the Bible says you get cast away if, if you become refuse and not usable by God. Well, these men of Jabesh Gilead would never even been able to go to the temple again because you can't go in with blemish such as that. They were be marred for life. Saul saved them. They never forgot it. And so we need to learn from this lesson, loyalty and thanksgiving. And not just a, a one-time thanksgiving, thanksgiving for life. Remember those who've helped you and even after death, after they're long gone, still don't forget all the help they gave to you. This is a great way to live, and I appreciate you here, and thank you, and have a great day. We're looking today at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. It says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. So here, 
is Paul giving us the explanation, or he's telling the Thessalonians that there is only one prophecy that needs to be fulfilled before the church can be raptured. We talk about the rapture of the church is imminent, which means it could happen at any time. There's nothing uh, in the prophetic scale that can stop it from happening except for one thing and one thing only. And if you notice here, it's a two-phase thing. It says a falling away and then the man of sin being revealed. But for the rapture, it's the falling away because I'll try to explain the one thing that keeps the rapture from taking place and the resurrection of the dead is the church, the spirit of Christ in the church and the faithfulness of the church. Notice the church is a, is a woman. Uh, she's a chaste virgin that is espoused unto Christ. And so she's uh, espoused unto one man, which is Jesus Christ. She's not like the great whore, which is a harlot and sells herself to all types of sin, and so all false religions fall under this great whore. Uh, And as far as Christendom goes, the Catholic Church, Roman Catholic Church would be the main uh, culprit of this. She's not a harlot. She's the church. She's the the, uh, chaste virgin, a spouse to be wedded to Jesus Christ. So that's the church, and so the one thing that'll happen is at the very end, there will be a falling away. And what that means is, is there's an apostasy that is going to take place in modern times to where the church apostatizes and leaves the truth and leaves her Lord. She may claim him, she may talk about him, but she's not of him anymore. She has apostatized. And that word apostasia, the great apostasia means to depart from the faith. You believed something at one time and you left. Now, this is the church. This is uh, Christendom in whole to where the church who used to believe the truth about the gospel and fought and lived and died for the truth, contending for the faith, no longer will contend for that faith and actually leaves and steps apart and steps away from her Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and follows religion, follows the ways of this world, follows a lot of different things. But it's much more than that because, remember, she's a a woman, so she's a a chaste virgin who is espoused. And when you're espoused, you're as good as married. It says the, 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 uh, the one body, the church of the one body, We are espoused unto him and to him alone. And Paul said, stay true to him now, even in the flesh, until that day comes where you'll be with him in heaven. Well, apostasia, it has a connotation. It's feminine. And what it means is, it means a woman who steps out on her man and is unfaithful to him and turns against him in her heart. She has apostatized from her man and went and you could say played the whore like the Bible always teaches but she stepped away and not no longer faithful when it comes to the church the professing church turns against Jesus Christ in doctrine and in manner of life and walks out on him and gets following something else and I, I think I know what that something else is But think about that, stepping out on her man. That's the apostasy. 
Denomination after denomination after denomination have left the faith. There used to be great preachers from many different uh, Protestant denominations. You can't find one anymore. They don't even exist because they have left the truth. They don't follow Christ. They're not adhering to Him. They're chasing the manners of religion and trying to be like all the other churches. And it has nothing to do with their love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they've stepped out on Him. They They don't even have the blood in their hymnals, a lot of them. They don't teach their own people how to be born again. They're not looking for the second coming of Christ so they can be with their Lord and Savior. They have stepped away and followed the world. They have apostatized. And we're finding this very, very evident all over the world. We're seeing it in our churches. We're seeing it in a lot of churches. It's getting to the point to where the average church, you go in there, they're not even going to tell you how to be saved. We thank God for the few uh, that will and still do because they're staying true to their Savior. And so this uh, apostasy, the great falling away or departing from the faith, what's going to happen is they're going to leave to look for something new. And what's going to happen is, what is that something new? Now, the Bible says that the spirit of iniquity or the mystery of iniquity in verse 7, it's already working. It's already in the world, and it's really strong. And it's wanting to come out and fully manifest itself. And it'll be fully manifested how the man of sin will be revealed, the son of perdition, that wicked one. It's the Antichrist. And what's happening is the church, the so-called professing church, has fallen away from the true Son of God, that they are starting to lean toward the way of Antichrist and looking for a new love. And they're walking around wondering, looking for a new love interest. It's not Jesus Christ anymore. They're looking for the ways of this world. They're looking something to satisfy their empty heart when they left the truth. And who is that man? He's the son of perdition. And so if you know the, the uh, tribulation doctrine, the, the Israel will make a covenant with the man of perdition, the man of sin. They will make a covenant with him and go into a contract of living together like they should have done with Jesus Christ. And instead, they killed him 2,000 years ago. They crucified him. They will ex- accept. It's called a covenant with death, Isaiah 28 says, They will accept this man and they will enter into covenant with him. And it says it's a covenant with hell even, and it will not work on them. They've turned against God, just like Israel will, and make a bad, bad decision, almost to their demise if God didn't step in and save them at the midpoint of the trip and towards the end. What's going to happen is the church didn't do the same thing. They're going to step out on Jesus Christ and wander away and leave him and and search for a new love interest. And it's not going to work out good because they're going to miss the rapture because that's the one thing to keep the rapture from happening is that the church will step away from him and fall away. And then Jesus said, will come. Verse 1, it said he will the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he's going to gather us together with him. First Thessalonians 4 says, and comforting all those who did not step out, they still adhere to the truth. 
They have received Christ. They are espoused to him. They are in Christ, and they're the church of the one body, the true believers, not the professors and the professing believers. So she's the this one that steps out. She's the professing church, not the true church. And it says, after the church is gone, strong delusion is going to set in. In verse 11, and they're going to follow the Antichrist because he will be revealed after the true church goes away. And it's the spirit of Christ that is within the true believers that keeps the mystery of iniquity from being unleashed on the earth. And the world wants it bad. You look in the political realm, in the social realm, in the civil realm, and even the religious realm, they are looking for the man of sin to show up. They're looking for him. They want to follow him. They're going to follow him all the way to the pit. But God's people are going to heaven. And we know. I've watched it my whole life. I've only been saved for, what, 30, about 38 years. And I see this. It's an amazing thing to be saved. I've watched the apostasy take place. I've watched churches buckle, shut down, turn away, change their names, change their doctrine, change everything. They are leaving the truth. And all we can say is we're looking forward to that great blessed hope where our Christ and our God will come to get us, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. But make no mistake, it's very, very soon. The apostasy of the church has proved it. We better get ready. We're going home soon. Thank you for listening.